Hannah Staver, and this is Ohio Politics Explained, a podcast where you give us 15 minutes and we give you all the news you need to sound smart and impress your friends when you go out this weekend. Welcome back to another episode of Ohio Politics Explained, the Can't We All Just Get Along edition. This week, we're explaining when we might vote on abortion access, why House Republicans are still fighting amongst themselves, whether we might finally get a train connecting Cleveland, Columbus, and Cincinnati, and when certain pandemic benefits will run out. Joining me this week is reporter Haley B. Miller. Welcome back. Hello, hello. We've been seeing a lot of each other lately since half our team is in Cincinnati. Yes. And before we get started, I just want to make my usual a quick personal pitch that if you find Ope to be interesting, informative, or helpful, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. So our first topic is abortion and the possibility that Ohioans might be voting on the issue in November. A group called Ohio Physicians for Reproductive Rights say there is absolutely 100% chance that they're going forward with a ballot measure this year. They plan to file the ballot language this month, but there's no word yet on where they plan to draw that access line. And I think that's going to be critical when it comes to the success or the failure of a measure like this. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see at what point in gestation they cut off abortion access and also what kind of exemptions are included in it right now. Well, it's complicated right now, too. (laughs) You know, the law that's theoretically on the books in Ohio only has exemptions for, you know, life of the mother. There are no exemptions for rape and incest, which is a really big problem for a lot of people. So I expect the ballot initiative will probably include that. But there's still a lot we don't know about it. Yeah. And right now that well, the heartbeat bill, right, which is what Haley's talking about, limits almost all abortion after about six weeks of gestation. But that's on hold because a judge has put it on hold. And so you can get an abortion right now in Ohio up until about 20 weeks. But the Supreme Court could take that case up at any moment, could change the law back to the six weeks. It's all it's legal limbo. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And super easy and not at all confusing for (laughs) patients in Ohio to follow. Yeah, and you know, the governor weighed in on this this week. We had an editorial board meeting with a bunch of editors from like the different papers in our network. And the governor said like he wants to see something from the legislature that perhaps modifies that heartbeat bill that he signed, more clearly explains what is and isn't life of the mother, or even modifies it in some way that protects against an upcoming ballot initiative, right? Like he basically doesn't want to be in a position where voters are choosing something far more liberal, right? Is or I don't yeah. know quite how to phrase that. Yeah, and he's been really vague about this part of it. I mean, he's been clear that he thinks, you know, the legislature should clarify the life of the mother exemptions. But beyond that, he hasn't really said what this hypothetical proposal would look like to save off the ballot initiatives. You know, he is very concerned about having something in place that wouldn't be overturned on the ballot. But I mean, if you want something to prevent people from going to the ballot, it's going to have to be a more liberal policy than what already exists. Yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe once we actually see the language for the ballot initiative, maybe lawmakers will kind of figure out what they want to do next. But it's I guess it's still wait and see. Yeah. Our second topic is Amtrak. So Ohio wants to study the possibility of expanding Amtrak service in the state. And this week, the Ohio Rail Development Commission announced it applied for a federal grant to do just that. So the study would examine two different rail lines, one connecting the three C's, so Cleveland, Columbus, actually, and Dayton and Cincinnati, 
and then one connecting Cleveland to Toledo and Detroit. And, you know, Amtrak has been interested in this for a while, but Governor Mike DeWine said that we still have some questions that need to be answered before we make any commitments. So, like, don't start planning to have, like, high-speed rail between <laughs> Columbus and Cincinnati anytime soon. Yeah, this is gonna a first up and what's going to be a long process, you know, trying to figure out what it would cost to operate those lines, what kind of tracks you would need to build, stations, etc. Side note, this federal funding is brought to you by the bipartisan infrastructure deal that was signed into law, spearheaded by former Senator Rob Portman, you know, issuing a lot of federal money for a lot of different infrastructure projects. And, you know, this, this is giving... Ohio an opportunity perhaps to bring something to the state that people really want. I mean, passenger rail is really popular. And I think, you know, there's an interest in trying to reduce cars on the road to at least some extent. And depending on the speed, it can sometimes be a lot faster, depending on like how fast the trains are allowed to go. Yeah. And you can just sit and you don't have to do anything. I am a big, I took the train all the time in Illinois. I'm a very big fan of it. So I would be down for Amtrak in Ohio. Yeah. I grew up just outside New York City. So I have ridden many a subway with a book. Although the danger is you get really into the book and then you forget your stop, but that's like a whole other thing. So our third topic is the latest ongoing fight between House Republicans. A lot went down this week, actually, but first a quick recap in case you're hearing about this for the first time. So Jason Stevens, a Republican, is Speaker of the House. And his caucus has 67 people in it, so 67 Republican representatives. But there's a rift, let's say, amongst those folks over the way Stevens became speaker or became their leader. A majority of that group chose a guy named Derek Marin back in November. It was an unofficial vote, but traditionally that unofficial caucus vote holds. So the folks that didn't vote for Derek would get behind him in the official vote. He would get the majority of the chamber. He would become speaker. But that's not how it went down. Stevens took 22 Republicans and paired them with all 32 Democrats in the chamber and he became speaker and the people who stuck with Derek well they're still mad about it to say the least yeah and this week we learned that they might go to court over who controls their campaign cash and that there's a group dedicated to potentially primary challenging the 22 people who went with Stevens right yeah so actually a few different groups are kind of mounting these offenses against the Stevens Republicans they call them the gang of 22 yes One of the groups um, is being spearheaded by Mike Gibbons. You may remember him from the very crowded GOP Senate primary last year. He's a Cleveland investment maker with a lot of money. Yeah, I was going to say, he spent like $20 million-ish? Something like that. On the Senate race? And so he wants to use some of his money now to you know, promote certain issues. And then if he doesn't feel like Republicans in the House are making good on those policies, he's, you know, going to find primary challengers for him next year. And then you have some other groups who are have already or are either, you know, planning to put up some billboards just kind of attacking these Republicans in their districts. Um, yeah, there's some anti-John Cross billboards that are up. Yes. Yep. Those are up and it seems like more to come. We don't know a ton about the groups behind those because it's, you know, the kind of dark money packs um, running that front. But if this persists, I mean, the primary season next year for these legislative races could get interesting. 
Yeah. And so the quick thing on the actual lawsuit that might happen is there's an official campaign fund. Jason Stevens has the credit card for it right now. That's tradition. Like the leader of your party leads the campaign fund. But there's a whole big fight over whether a majority of the caucus wants Phil Plummer, another representative, to lead this. And Phil says they voted. The other team says they didn't vote. And it all may end up in court. But that's also weird because courts don't like to wade into like caucus party politics. They get a little wary of like deciding like who controls what when it comes to political parties. So that's a whole other issue. Like, I mean, there's like, I think Speaker Stevens had some hope that like they would get the budget going, they would get legislation introduced and like they would all start to come together. But I don't see that happening yet. I don't either. And my big question with this lawsuit, to your point, is like if they do decide to file it, I don't know what grounds they would find. I don't know what state statute says Ah, X person can control the keys to the kingdom. I, you know, it says the caucus decides who controls it. Okay. So it's vague. And I think it's kind of intentionally vague, like letting the members decide how they want to run their campaign funds. But I don't know. We shall see. Our fourth and final topic is Medicaid. So the federal government gave Ohio Medicaid extra money during the pandemic to keep people enrolled. Like It was a bad idea during a global health pandemic to kick people off their health insurance. But that's coming to an end March 31st. The process is called unwinding because we always have a name for things. And it may mean, what actually means is that about 200,000 Ohioans will no longer be eligible for health insurance under Medicaid. They'll have to go to the exchange. And this is, you know, coming as President Joe Biden announced that the federal emergency for the pandemic was going to be ending in the spring after three years. So you're going to see some more benefits that were enhanced during the pandemic falling by the wayside. SNAP benefits, for example, people who get SNAP benefits were getting a little extra money each month and the extra they'll still get like their regular allotment, but that extra money is no longer going to be provided, which a lot of, you know, advocacy groups are quick to point out, you know, that this is coming at a time where we're still kind of dealing with inflation. Eggs are a thousand dollars. You know, it's tough. And I don't think, you know, a lot of local groups are trying to do their best to make sure people aren't surprised by, you know, the Medicaid benefits, SNAP, things like that. But it's a it's a tricky situation to make sure that people are informed about what's happening. Yeah, there are some Democrats wondering if we should do some assistance or like more transition assistance than what we're currently doing. But one thing to keep in mind is if you get any of these benefits or you know somebody that gets any of these kind of benefits, everyone's saying like, make sure your contact information is correct so you haven't had to do like income verification for three years. So if you moved in the last three years, they're going to use what they have on file. And so if if they send you a notice to an address where you no longer live, you may not even know that, hey, we just need updated income documents to keep you eligible. So make sure if you're getting any of these services that like all your contact information with those agencies is up to date. Yeah, because I mean, otherwise, unfortunately, you know, if you aren't responding to those communications and time, you could just wake up one morning and your Medicaid benefits are gone. Yeah. And one more thing before you go. President Joe Biden gave his State of the Union speech this week, and Ohio got a couple of shout-outs. The first was for Intel's big investment in central Ohio. Another one was for the Brent Spence Bridge project in Cincinnati. Um, And even a specific iron worker, I'm going to try to say this correct, Soraya Gwyn May. She is an iron worker at Local 44. She's from the Cincinnati area, and she got to sit in the White House's like first lady box with Jill Biden. Yeah, so and she got a bit of a shout out from Biden, you know, during the speech. The Brent Spence Bridge has been kind of a symbol of why infrastructure in the United States should be fixed. Um, also attending in the first lady box from Ohio was Harry Miller. He's a former OSU player who's become a very 
public mental health advocate after, you know, dealing with some of his own mental health struggles. A lot of lawmakers in Ohio brought their own guests too, so a lot of a lot of representation. Yeah, and they uh, they always tend to like bring people that they say express some issue that they want taken up by the government. So like Greg's Landsman from Cincinnati brought a young boy with diabetes to talk about insulin pricing. Amelia Sykes from the Akron area she brought the the mother of Jalen Walker who was shot and killed so to talk about violence and like police violence and those kinds of issues. Like it's really interesting. Like a lot of times the guests at these things like say a lot about the members and the president. Yeah, and I mean, in some ways, I think, you know, their political calculations and themselves. Yeah, and on a totally non-political thing, I just want to say that Soraya Gwynmay, that iron worker, had this amazing blazer. It was yes. like, it was like black and white checkered and it like sparkled. And my first question was like, where did she get that? So the very important questions I yeah. will try to get answered <laughs> before next week's OPE. Ohio Politics Explained is brought to you by the USA Today Network Ohio Bureau. You can find us on Twitter at Ohio Explained. And if you want to learn more about any of the topics we've covered, check us out online at any of the newspapers in our network, like the Minerva News Leader. That's the-review.com backslash Minerva. 